Hello, and welcome to Exit the Stage Door. I am your host, Aaron Teachman, and it has been way too long since I strung all of those words together in front of a microphone. It has been a year, in fact, since 2016's Capital Fringe Festival. We are now at the 2017 Capital Fringe Festival, and you know what? I think the symmetry of beginning the third season of Exit Stage Door uh, with a Capital Fringe Festival is absolutely perfect. It's a great time to be a, someone who loves theater in D.C., and I'm so glad to be able to bring you this conversation that I just had with the director, uh, the producer, the playwright, and one of the stars of The Nasty Women of the Ecstatic Rainbow Mystical Retreat. Now, that's not actually all the same people. That's four different people, as you will <laughs> soon hear. And uh, it was a real delight to be able to talk about uh, well, as you can hear from Nasty Women, we're going to talk a little bit about politics, we talk about gender, we talk about uh, what it's like to have theater in your life and what that does, and uh, it was just such a fantastic conversation, and I'm really grateful to Sherry, Catherine, Lisa, and Tony for their time. They gave up a, they gave up some of their rehearsal day uh, in order to talk to me. Uh, it was an absolute privilege. I uh, can't encourage you enough to check out The Nasty Women. Uh, their premiere is Tuesday, July 11th at 5 p.m. They are performing at the Alice Performing Arts Center in the Springer. Uh, all of these details you can find in the show notes. Uh, I've given you links to the tickets and to the rest of their dates, and we talk about it in the show as well. Um, please don't miss it. It was a delight. And uh, without further ado, enjoy. Hey, Sherry, I'm going to give you a spot next to Aaron. Okay. This is Sherry Lewis. Hi. Aaron Teacher. You want to sit right here? Hi. Sure. A good spot? Okay. All right. Hi. Hello. Uh, so you're the director. Yes. And you are? The producer, and I'm performing in it, too. And your name is? Catherine Azel Ford. I'm Tony Greenberg. I'm playing the part of King Pantheus. And I'm Lisa Alfick, and I'm the playwright. Okay. So... Where to start? We should probably start with the play, which is mm -hmm. an adaptation of the Bacchae from yes. Euripides. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I got involved, I've known Catherine for years, probably since her son was what, five or six, so he's in college now. Yeah. So <laughs> we came together and uh, my one of my 10 minute plays at the source years ago, was it the Flying Armishman? It was. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I still hear the music, and I He's like Mr. County's only superhero. Yes. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so I we've known each other. Yeah. Okay. There, so. yeah, okay. Well, then you know all about cows. Yes. Uh, I do, yes. yes. And yes. cow tipping and all the okay. rest of it. So we were, uh, she is, she runs, well, now it's Guillotine Theater. It was mm -hmm. Georgetown Theater. So we were talking about doing a play, I think, last year. And unfortunately, Bobby um, usurped me, her son, because he was going to... <laughs> It was his last year in high school, so she didn't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. So I had been working on something set in a in a commune and uh, just just working, playing with it, and uh, we talked about it. And of course, her theater is the tagline is classics on a cutting edge. So mm -hmm. we had to be classically based. So she suggested the Bakai, and I'm like, all right. I had never read it from mm -hmm. what I remember. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I read it, and uh, the part that we were interested in, this was probably last November, I think, when we were putting in the application, we kind of, the, the, the commune is named the Ecstatic Rain, Rainbow mm -hmm. um, uh, in the original play that I was working on, which was a very modern play. 
But we, we came up with this title, which I immediately forgot and had to <laughs> call her and say, what did we name it again? <laughs> so as I was writing it. So uh, the Bakai, originally I was working on it with my, uh, with a dramaturg, Ernie Josovich of the Playwrights Forum. And he said, well, you, do, you know, do you want an adaptation? It seems like you're doing more of a transformation. And basically what we were interested in was just the part in the Bacchae where the women under the craze of Dionysus, you know, under his spell, they run off to the mountains and they do their own thing, which in Greek times and now <laughs> is, <laughs> you know, it's just being a little, they're being a little uppity, let's mm -hmm, say, mm -hmm. you know, Interesting back of words. then, uh, you know, cities and culture were good. Nature was disordered and mm -hmm. it was bad. Women had their particular place. They are running away from from their place and they are running away to a place they, they shouldn't be. So that's the part that it's not really filled in a lot in the Bacchae, but mm -hmm. that's what I ran with. I, I, I filled that in from our modern audiences. Mm -hmm. And um, I also worked on my, um, maybe let's say a little bit of fear of cows having grown up around <laughs> them. And you know, reminding me of an area that I grew up in that I prefer maybe, you know, I want something a little bit more citified. <laughs> sure, sure. Amish country is not. <laughs> so, uh, that's true. So, you know, I was working on this in several levels, and yeah. I think that Persephone's helped me overcome some of my uh, That's the cow <laughs> issues. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's Persephone's yeah. Ikea cow. cow. <laughs> mm -hmm. Which was adorable when you sent, when Sherry, the director, sent me the pictures of the cow and the tree. I couldn't believe it. Her husband made them. It was amazing. Like, that is one awesome cow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's on wheels. So, okay, so you knew at, pretty early on then in the cycle, in the Catherine cycle, that you wanted to produce something, and that's how you, you guys hooked up with, with yes. choosing to produce this show this year. So I, I've, I've talked to Lisa, let's do something, it has to be an adaptation of a classic or an actual classic, but we weren't up for that. Last time we produced, two years ago, we produced an actual classic that was simply edited for time. Okay. Um, and then last year we sort of co-produced with Greg Oliver Bodine Poe Times 2 because I said, right. I'm not really up to produce anything this year, I'll just do the budget and the publicity, so you all take it over, because Bobby was starting college in August. So we started talking during the election, before we knew how it was going to turn out, <laughs> but after the remark about such a nasty woman, and right. nasty women became a theme about this play, and once we decided, you know, once Lisa said she'd do it, very early on in the process, I asked Sherry if she'd direct it, because Sherry has directed for us 10 years ago, and eight years ago she was in one of our Fringe shows. And she's also a professional actress who has become a mom and gotten a full-time day job, and her son's a little younger than mine, so she's still more involved with the day-to-day -day life and of her son. And I wanted him to, her, to, her to come and direct for us, and she is really more politically aware and knowledgeable than I, so she seemed like the perfect director for this play. Okay. Oh, and you know, when you're handed a, the idea, a title, The Nasty Women, and the ecstatic <laughs> rainbow mystical retreat, how do you say no? <laughs> and I've worked with Lisa before. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, even we only had like maybe three scenes or something, you know, when, when I came on, you know, you had sort of the outline mm -hmm. and yeah. some scenes, and we were going to do a quick reading for it for women in the arts. We did a reading. We did a reading for support women artists support, now. Support Day. women, yes, Swan Day, support gotcha. women arts. And, you know, I just said, yes, I'll do it because mm -hmm. I knew Lisa and I love working with new scripts. And as a director, I tend to be very hands-on <laughs> with um, 
new scripts sure, and working yeah. and you know uh, working with the playwright who is very open to that and saying, well, what if they did this or what if this happened? This might we plant the seeds here and it comes to fruition here because I think also as a director, very visually, mm -hmm. I have a fine arts uh, fun, uh, yeah. minor, and so I always think in terms of well, if we have this. How do we put this? We can make this work if we do this, mm -hmm. you know. So I knew the tree. The tree is very important mm -hmm. in the play. Yes. Had to be functional. It had to be there. It had to be functional. But you also have the limitations and the challenges, the wonderful challenges of fringe, fringe yes. because you can't have set that you you, right. you can't you strike it under fifteen minutes. You're right. in a space very temporarily. So you, and you're also on a budget because. You just have always right. on a budget, right. but even more so. <laughs> so everything, every set piece, every prop, every costume has to be important. It has to be. It has to say something, and nothing more. Mm -hmm. It can't just be there for the. You right. know, it's like like actors on stage. You don't have one that just walks in. So right. in my head, it was great being able to then email her and go, "Well, you know, I thought about this. If we." You know, actually, I wake up. I had a dream last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got that email. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. What if? And so, you know, we also had to decide how far off the Bakai we would go. Mm, sure. And you know, sort of deciding that this was an update in the way that Oh Brother, Where Art Thou mm -hmm. was an update. Right. But still followed. It would be a wink. People that knew, oh, like the cowherd, is in the original. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, or. The tripping on the you know the moss and King Pentheus going in drag, but it was lovely because now you have an audience in this day and age that now understands in a way they may not a bunch of women resisting a king. Yeah, yeah. I, one so, of the things that struck me a lot when uh, she shared the the text of the play with me, uh -huh. one of the things that struck me was it, at first it didn't register because I'm on I'm on Twitter and just like uh -huh. I'm like zeroed in on the now, like what's happening mm -hmm. right now. Um, a lot of this play probably wasn't written until after the inauguration. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Yes, that's like, correct. Because yeah, we we actually thought about, uh, we got the title and we got sort of a basic outline, I think when I talked mm -hmm. to you, in yeah. November, I think, or so, November maybe. Early Before the election, but it yes. Was, yeah, it, it was in the writing. I was most, yeah, because I actually was, um, I planned to have it done earlier and then with the election and all that was going on and yeah. in January I'd just come back from a trip and I was sick, so I mean it was like I was working, it was just, and it was, um, it was, it took me longer than I expected mm -hmm. because it started, and, and then I was talking to Sherry and Catherine and we were uncovering layers, like an onion, mm -hmm. uncovering like where can I go with this and I would actually write down you know, 45 Twitter feed, or wait, what was going on? Like actual, you know, uh, it, it just, and you know, when I was at the march, and I actually have a book of the signs, and you know, mm -hmm. what happened, and I wanted to include a lot of it and really bring it up to date. Yeah. Because of the struggles back then, sometimes they're, you know, they're the same here, not necessarily here, and they're, they're even closer to someone maybe living in a developing country, mm -hmm. women who are really well behind where we are here. Mm -hmm. But it's lovely to be able to set it in another place and time because yeah. then you have a bit more license to go yeah. over the top. Right. It was fun. You have yeah. a god yeah. in the play. Right. Yeah. So. Which is sad because we sort of need, I think a lot of us think, oh, if only this would happen. If only we're all engaging right now, I think. Even even people who voted for 
the current president are engaging in certain magical thinking of only this would happen. Right. And here we actually have a god show up. Mm -hmm. And it's also kind of ironic because of the, the, um, the take some people have on what we usually refer to in this country as God, the mm -hmm. Judeo-Christian Islamic God, um, and the role that we assign to him in politics is very different than the role yeah. of Dionysus. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. And yeah. it's a comedy. You know, we don't kill anybody in this play. Right. The original yeah. Bacchae. Yeah, I said, the yes. original Bacchae is a good deal bloodier. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. And I really just, yeah. I, that would have taken, I think, the audience yeah. out of their right. space. Yeah. So, you know, he's he's punished by having to stay with the cowherd in beautiful nature and having to meditate and maybe learn some yoga. <laughs> and we fix thieves. Yeah. Fix. Right. We have a new regime, right. a better regime. And the, uh, the carriage of Pentheus went through a couple of changes, too, mm -hmm. uh, because initially the original character is very young. The original oh, that's King right. Pentheus yeah. is yes. very young. Yeah. But I, in my head, I kept reading it and kept thinking, Pentheus. <laughs> you know, and I you have this. <laughs> I, I can't remember. It's like, Pentheus, because he is, we could make him very, you know, strict, right. old school, yeah. and that made him into a little bit older, and, and also informed by the casting of Tony. Um, and so that gave him a different take on things mm -hmm. that he wasn't like, hey, ladies, I just, it's rather than you ladies are going to submit, right. made mm -hmm. that more of a, a thing because a young king might want the women to be wild, whereas an older king or one who is very religious or, you know, can't sit in the same restaurant with right. a woman and a glass of wine, which I love the whole idea. Oh, when, when that whole thing came out about Pence not being able to be at a table with a glass of wine with a woman that wasn't his wife, I just kept thinking, oh my God, this just feeds right into this. And the audience is going to say, wine? When he's like... Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that just, things kept piling on. I'm like, okay, I've got to, got to work, you know, this into that. Yeah. And so that, you know, informed, you know, modern day political figure. Because it was originally in the first reading, we thought of Harry Trump. Mm. Yes. Because he was young and had the hair slicked back. Right. And like, yeah. You know, so that sort of clueless. The, like ethical construct of his father. Clueless and entitled yeah. and one, maybe one foot away from being caught in an airport bathroom. Right. <laughs> you know, there was some stuff going on there. But that. Change. I mean, the originally an actor, the original actor that we did in the first reading was young mm. and resembled Eric Trump. Oh, he's so better looking than that. He was, <laughs> yeah, he was better looking, but he 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 embodied that. But that as lovely an area that is, I think this made more sense, making him more into Pence, which gives him maybe he's younger than Pence, but. Um, he has this, you know, the same. I was raised with these right, ideas. Who's... Women do this, mm -hmm. and they submit, and yeah. Let's well, meet segue actually just really quickly, so we can work mm -hmm. in how you got cast and what what the casting process was like. Well, I I did the um, I did a reading uh, with uh, Catherine and with Sherry, and I was just very enthusiastic about this role, and I thought it, it was it was just a really good role because he. As Sherry said, he goes through some several transitions. So as an actor, that's always very exciting mm -hmm. because you, you get to work with different, um, you know, with different feelings and different thoughts as you go through the plot. So he really changes over time. Uh, and at the end, uh, it's it's a punishment, but yet it's not really that punishing. Uh, he really has to just, you know, live 
in, in this community and, and, you know, and learn. So at the end, while it seems like a punishment, he's actually kind of looking forward to it um, because he doesn't have those social pressures anymore that create this repression that right. he has to yeah. enact among his people uh, in order to maintain the status quo hierarchy. So, so he's kind of relieved himself. So in a way, it, it suggests that, that um, even the repressor is repressed. <laughs> well, it's it's, it's one of the major features of this wave of feminism is pointing out that gender construct it, like, isn't just about freeing women. Yeah. It's about freeing men to experience emotion or to yeah. demonstrate it or, or the ways in which their repression is like outward directed and still an iron cage. Like you still have to yeah. break that down to yeah. like, it's, it's freeing to everybody yes, in, in society to redefine these relationships mm -hmm. uh, less rigidly. Yeah, the play is just a wonderful metaphor for all of those things. Um, you know, freeing up of repression, repression that's going on, not just here, but everywhere, different levels of repression. Um, obviously there's a great deal of repression in, in other places, but here it's almost, it's, it's repressive, but it's also symbolic. There's verbal repression, physical repression, there's all of these things, so yeah. In a play, one of the things that I thought about was in his, you know, Pentheus has this speech where he's talking about women and how they're awful because they're, they're not, they're, they're wearing pants. They're not worried about having husbands. Um, their book, they're reading books and all this is bad. So we, that sort of informed the, the, care, the personalities of the three nasty women in the play or that they're, they're fat or that they're this or that they're you know, not just desirous. So Queen Agave became the woman who had babies and was no longer attracted to her husband. Um, we have an immigrant who, you know, who wants to read so that we have that. And then we also have a, a, a woman who is, represents lesbian and just wants to be an artist and, and needs to be all the things that bother the current conservative male construct. <laughs> and so then Lisa wrote raps for each one of them. And it's interesting because the seeds of that were already there, but then he comes in and is sort of horrified by <laughs> the embodiment of all the things he thinks are out of control. Mm -hmm. That was, uh, the, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot to unpack actually. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things, because I, I used to work for Shakespeare Theater, so I, I, I did used to work for a classical theater company. Mm -hmm. And one of the struggles of classical theater is uh, canon, is the notion of canon. Forcing you to look not just at not just at old plays, but at specific old plays, often in specific ways. But this, um, but the freedom of the form of the Greeks is really interesting here, precisely because it gives you the opportunity that you guys have taken here mm -hmm. to to inherit the form, but then like riff on it essentially uh, and maintain the spirit of it while making it much more much more like you said cutting edge, <laughs> like on the cutting edge. Which is always fascinating, uh, and sort of like the the key challenge, of course, in dealing with with classical. Like, as we, when you talk about doing, did we do we do in straight or do we do a, an mm -hmm. adaptation slash transformation? The question that always comes up. And if there's any place to do it, it's fringe. It's fringe. Mm -hmm. This yes. is true. Classics pretty much have to be adapted for fringe because of the time of course, constraint yeah. and. Yeah. 
Most classic plays have a lot more characters. Greeks, fewer than mm -hmm. that you're going to find at the Shakespeare Theater. But Lisa experimented in early drafts with having the chorus mm -hmm. and the ah, servant be the yes. same person mm -hmm. and kind of like uh, the famous Ubu have a sign, chorus, ah, and now servant, right. now I'm chorus, mm -hmm. and then eliminated that. I think we have pretty much as many people. I don't think we have the Cadmus, the old king, or the nurse. We no, have we didn't. That. No, no, because yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. Because I knew I needed to keep the actors to sort of a minimum. Right. You know, you can't have 20 people on the stage, especially with French. Mm -hmm. And you know, then there's budget reasons and things too, and just being able to cast enough people who are quality, good actors. So, you know, that is a constraint. But I mean, it's probably a little bigger than a lot of the fringe cast, but it's still within. One of the neat things that you did that's different from the Greeks is even though it's called the Bacchae or the Meneads or whatever mm -hmm. translation, I obviously don't speak Greek, they don't have a really strong role in the Bacchae. They are basically people that Dionysus uses. I'm sure that in his whole world or life as a god, they have a larger role, but he uses them to get revenge on Pentheus. But in this, they're developed. There are only three of them. We're asked to believe that there's a whole horde more off stage right somewhere. But there's three of them, and they have personalities, and they're not just a, a, a group that can be riled up to go kill someone. So she's really, because this is sort of a feminist play, feminist. Well, a lot of the Greek plays, despite the fact we know Greek women were pretty oppressed, the Greeks had a lot of plays with pretty powerful women, a lot yeah, of angry Eurydice goddesses in particular queens. is very good at writing for women. Yeah. The Trojan women is still one of the most potent anti-war pieces ever written. And there, yeah. there is also, I think, a difference in you know, feminist literature, and but you also have seeing through the female gaze, mm -hmm. which is a popular term now. And this being written, produced, directed, designed, by women, mm -hmm. you definitely see the female gaze mm -hmm. here, where which is a separate thing from feminist, and mm -hmm. it goes yeah. deeper. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, I was very aware, you know, of that in all of it that um, there needs to be more of the female gaze. Whereas Euripides, not a woman, mm -hmm. gave, gave us a lovely, you know, take on the women's uh, situation and and viewed them as but in the sense of women seeing it through a woman's eyes yeah. um, is uh, a, a relatively new. It's <laughs> <laughs> a view from abroad. Yes. A view a bunch from abroad. <laughs> that would, that'll be the name of the theater company I will. You start, oh, you start, start someday. Yeah, yeah. 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 sets and press with some kinds of things. So, um, just, just so we get some I'm always interested in the practical as well, like as, as it, coming from a technician, like the nuts and bolts of how it gets done. And I have not done, gone through the fringe process myself. Mm -hmm. So, um, so in terms of there's a, there's an application like Cat Fringe is not a curated festival, so mm -hmm. it's essentially like you 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 apply for facilitation of a space and some of the like back office backbone, right, and then. It, is that application like ever turned down, or is it just a matter of? Sometimes they are, and I'm not sure of the ins and outs of that. We uh, Guillotine has been part of the fringe almost every year. We missed one year since it started, mm. and so you send in your application and you tell them what, how many people you need, are going to have on stage. Well, actually, you don't. You tell them how much space you need, mm -hmm. and you have to do the work in your head. What kind of space you want? So you have to think: Is this going to sell out? Do I want to have 25 people? Mm -hmm and a 200-seat theater, right. or do I want to see if we can get a 30-seat theater? And what kind of set pieces you need, and then they put you in a space. 
and they give you either five or six performances now. Early on, they might just give you one or two. They were kind of trying to, I assume, they were trying to figure out what would sell. Mm. Um, some people are turned down, I assume, for practical reasons. Oh, sure, of course, that would make sense, yeah. And last year, they made it a little different. If you applied before a certain deadline, you would definitely be accepted. After the deadline, they would decide. And I don't know if any of those decisions were made on the subject matter, what they thought would sell. I don't think they'd ever censor you, but they might be looking, and I'm guessing here, at what would be more appealing. Mm. So it's uncurated for the most part, but some people do get venues that they consider better than others. I know mm. one person, an older woman I worked with who does one woman shows, was unhappy because she couldn't get a venue without stairs, but she only wanted mm. a small venue, and all the ones with stairs were small, and all the ones that didn't have stairs were large. Mm. So some people think that they're getting a bad set of dates or good set of dates. I've never really felt we had a bad set of dates. I think our dates now are great because we open and then we have a week before we do it again. So mm -hmm. hopefully we can build up word of mouth and press. Other people might think, oh, gee, a week between shows. So right. I, yeah. <laughs> I think they work hard to give everybody yeah. a couple um, yeah. good yes. nights, yes. meaning Fridays or Saturdays in the evening. Yeah. So it can be curated in that sense. Like if well, you had an art exhibit and you knew you were gonna show these 12 paintings or these 20 paintings, how you arrange them could be considered curation. Well, of, yes, yeah. yes. So, but some people were excluded this time. Pos, I don't know what the criteria was, but if you made, if they didn't apply early, they might not have gotten in. Mm -hmm. so. so, what uh, what space are you in? We're in the Atlas in the Springer. Oh, you're in the Springer. Yes. yes. Air conditioning. Air conditioning. Air conditioning. Which, is, which is a yeah. prize in French. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. July so in DC. I don't care what time. This is like, like But also, enough. that also makes a difference in costumes, quite frankly. Oh, sure, yeah. Having costume Shakespeare and active Shakespeare out at Carter Baron. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, you, yes. You get people walking backstage and collapsing yeah. in a pile of sweat if you aren't aware of how that's going to work. I mean, I've literally built ice packs into costumes where the designer, you know, insisted on heavy right. Elizabethan costumes in the middle of the summer, in the middle of Dallas. And as an actor and a designer, you're like, what the? <laughs> so, but, but fringe, you know, I said, okay, we have air conditioning, so we can actually put a long jacket on you and we can, you know, do this stuff and actors won't die. <laughs> so, but that's all part of it. I mean, it's like, yeah. But it, you have to think of it in terms of a touring show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You don't have. This, you have to think of it in terms of sets and costumes and anything being able to, to go like that and be workable in any situation. Yeah, we had a couple hot spaces for different shows. We had um, the warehouse, which was. Mm -hmm. Theoretically air conditioned, <laughs> and we had the red room, which was really. Oh, I know. It was fun though because yeah. you get you know thirty people in there and you were or forty people and you were sold out. Yeah. Yeah. Great kind right. of crowds. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so, in terms of the uh, theater companies, so this is produced by specifically produced by Guillotine or how? Yes. What's the relationship there? Yeah. Um, a bunch of us founded Georgetown Theater Company in 1986, right after getting out of college. And it existed for a long time, doing three or four shows a year, and then we kind of dropped back and didn't do anything for a few years. We had a touring branch, because one of our strong beliefs early on was classics for kids, which I think mm. really that market has been filled, but we were the only ones at the time doing that. So we would tour these little light Moliere plays and say, you know, it's not only fun for the kids, 
they're going to recognize this stuff later on, even mm -hmm. if they don't take French in high school, because you've got the characters are going to appear when they have to take as they have to read as you like in eighth grade. Um, <laughs> they will, you know. And uh, when we started doing French in two thousand and six, we said, "Hey, this is so much easier." So a shout out to French. They really help you, uh, they don't advertise for you, but the fact that you're part of French right. advertises for you. Our first show was Bushwah, which was Ubu Wabi written mm -hmm. about George Bush, again, political, and it was a big hit, it sold out the performances, so we revived it in the Silver Spring space that uh, is now forum space, but it was Roundhouse space yes. then, mm -hmm. and we had trouble getting more than 25 people in the audience for each show, even though we had you know the positive fringe reviews and we had two feature articles in, uh, local papers, the city paper, and in, I think it was the Montgomery Journal or the Gazette, like, wow, this is a real clear demonstration of the positive power of doing something in French as we mm -hmm. sold out, and now we're getting 25 people, even with all this positive press clips and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, actually, it's good attracting playwrights as well. Uh, we sat around having a couple of glasses of wine one night, three of us did, and came up with the idea of uh, the Dead Playwrights oh. for 2007, which yeah. was what would happen. We commissioned a bunch of play playwrights to do short plays, including Lisa, uh, about what would happen if a classical playwright had to sell their work to a modern-day Hollywood mm -hmm. or modern-day, and that came. And then playwrights were like, "Oh yeah, I mean, you know, we had some great, you know, playwrights." come up with that because, and then they just gave us this wonderful material to work with. And so we did several of them and it was, because Fringe, like, oh yeah, sure. You know, I, I can't chance to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people want to be part of Fringe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, and this is, this is something that's always fascinating to me. Uh, my own career is very, uh, I, I don't I don't necessarily use the word career because I didn't really plan any of it and it's sort of like a string of things happened next to each other and then you look back and that I guess is what you call a career. Um, I, I'm lucky enough to actually work in theater. I do um, I'm lighting and projection technician, uh, design assistant, and designer. So like that is already that is my, my day job and and the theater thing are the same. So but it, it, I'm curious about. The is it directing something that you like make your living at, or is acting something that you make your living at, or like how do you work the theater into uh, into your life or or whatever venue you for that? Um, my my, I actually uh, am an online education manager. I'm a master of fine arts in acting and directing, um, but I use those. It's mm -hmm. it's amazing how. Uh, do, in theater or the skills you learn in theater apply to a broad, broad group mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, careers. In fact, I got a job in the communications department uh, because the communication director, who was in her 20s, was sitting there drinking Maywatt straight out the bottle mm. um, <laughs> and said, I know you've worked with us online as, as, a, as a consultant, but in, in the office, it can get kind of contentious. Can you deal with that? And I said, I've directed drag queens. And she looked at me, sat her bottle of Baylocks down, and went, what would you want per hour? <laughs> I mean, so in a way, you know, and, you know, and, and I, I make that as a joke, but that has allowed me to say, 
my skill set runs wide, but I go deep where I need to because mm. as a director, as an actor, you are thrown into a group of people and you have to do research. You have to meet deadlines because Lord knows no one's going to love you if you don't. Uh, <laughs> if you don't show up opening night, you're, you're not loved. Mm -hmm. um, but all of those things are reinforced in a lot. And I work in the nonprofit world mm -hmm. and I've worked in, in politics and in you know, progressive organizations. And that is something that, that feeds back. But I, I have, like I said, having had a family and, and, a, and a day job, not done it as much and look forward to getting back into it more. And, it, and it, I think it's something that women also do because we do carry a lot of the weight, even in, in lovely modern marriages, for the, the child part of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I am blessed with a husband that does much, but again, my energy, it is, you know, being a parent is, yeah. is something that takes a lot of your creative energy. And I love it. And the, I, had, I directed a Romeo and Juliet when I was seven months pregnant. And it changed my outlook. I mean, it really did uh, on, on how I approach the play. Mm -hmm. Because when you have a play with a bunch of dead kids on stage at the end of it, and you're pregnant, and everybody's standing there going, how did this happen? How did this happen? And everybody saw it coming but the parents. Mm -hmm. That affects you. Mm -hmm. It affected me as a parent mm -hmm. as much as it, as my day job and my parenting affects how I approach a play. And, and while it takes away from the time and energy, it gives back more. But that is how I've managed in my life. And, and as a woman, and I'll say it, your shelf life as an actor is limited in just in terms of roles, mm. even not even just in terms of, and, and I love, so I love working with playwrights who are writing these wonderful things for women, even though two of the huge roles in this are men, but that, yeah, it, it does make a difference in your life to be an artist and to keep your foot in it. And thank you, Catherine, for dragging me in. <laughs> I mean, she keeps telling you, got to do this. You come on. <laughs> and, and, she, and she does this and, and I'm thankful for it. That, yeah, it, it feeds, they support each other. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of other people, you know, waiting tables or a job that does not bring that to it, it, it can be a, a big drain. And I used to use you as an example because, you know, when I, my acting career kind of dried up and I actually only supported myself as an actor for about three years, I said, you know, everybody else is waiting tables or answering phones or driving a cab. And I went back to school and became a certified teacher, which isn't the same as a licensed teacher, mm -hmm. so that I could teach drama in the public schools. Mm -hmm. And I wound up mostly teaching in private schools and after schools because really most drama teachers are also history or English teachers. Mm -hmm. And I'm not qualified to do that. But I would point to Sherry and say, you know, she learned how to design, do web design because that was what you did first. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I sort of was the one I think of this table who probably tried the longest and hardest to <laughs> stay in the arts, which is why I'm probably the brokest. But you know, I, I taught mostly freelance. It's hard to get 40 hours of teaching drama um, full time in the summer. I worked. I learned how to write grants because I was working for the theater, and I worked as the development manager for an art gallery, and I worked as the executive director of an art center, and I've always really been in nonprofits, whether I was an employee of a school or aftercare or recreation program or whether I was running one. I, I worked, I guess I worked for all the local city governments as a drama teacher. I never thought about that. I never thought of myself as a government employee. <laughs> Montgomery County, DC, um, Arlington County, Fairfax County, Prince George's County. I've been on the rolls at least one summer, if not more, for all of them. 
So I have a strong commitment to doing things for kids, but this show is not one of them. <laughs> yeah. Let's have a friendly cow. <laughs> it's a very friendly cow, but I wouldn't take my preschooler here. No, they wouldn't. You know, Bacchanalian no, bitches and skanks and hoes, and I'm gender fluid, so yeah. Right. Moss and shit. Yeah. Oh yeah, the druggy part. I forgot about yeah. that. The drug part. I forgot about it. Yeah, there are some things maybe. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, I was supposed to be a lawyer. <laughs> that was the original plan, but by my third year of law school, I knew this was not going to be right. And so I started taking acting classes in my third year. I don't know how I got my degree, but it's hanging up there somehow. Um, and then after that, I started auditioning for, well, I took a class at the Shakespeare Theater. I took the workshop, started auditioning for plays, got into community theater, then professional theater, and now I support myself um, being in real estate and property management. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a very good uh, setup because the job is you know, your basic nine to five job, except with sometimes there are some emergencies and whatnot, but not often. And I get to have my evenings free and go out and audition, perform, and uh, rehearse. I am having, you know, it's kind of like with you, a, a different experience. I think I saw a high school production in high school. I had never seen theater. Mm. I didn't have any interest in it. And after I got done with grad school here, I have a degree in English from George Mason. I was just wanting to do something creative. I didn't, I had moved here from Lancaster. I didn't know any, many people. So I took a, a class at the Georgetown, a continuing ed class, and I wanted to take creative writing, but um, it was full. So there was playwriting, and I'm like, all right, that's writing. I mean, I had, I was so clueless, and you know, that's the good thing about your 20s. You know, yeah. don't direct yourself. Yeah. Let it happen sometime. Just let it happen. So I met Ernie Josovich, and the thing is, when I first, I had no plot really. I mean, I didn't know anything about plot, but I was writing the stuff, and people were laughing, and I was just so. I mean, it was like, okay, you know, I've touched somebody somehow. Mm -hmm. So I've been with the Playwrights Forum for a really long time, like probably over 20 years. I mean, longer than most people are married. <laughs> you and Ernie. Me and Ernie, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing. But I've done a lot with the sore, short things, mm, sure. the 10-minute, uh, on and off, because my uh, I started as a technical writer writing uh, custom usage guides for the Navy. And over the years, <laughs> I segued or I was dumped into another field called Management, so I can truly. Sometimes a term people use is corporate war, and I, I will. I own it. I will own it. Um, but I build and deploy software code mm -hmm. for, for a living. But what I've gotten from the theater, and you know, just having a creative outlet in my life, was which is really important. I think for everybody, no matter who you are, I think we're all creative at the core in some way. You just have to find it, whether it's yarn bombing or making an awesome cup of chai tea <laughs> or writing a play or acting or whatever. Uh, of course, I work in um, a lot of federal contracts, so you meet a lot of different types of people you have to deal with. And this is the second job, the, this job that I'm supposed to start in a month or so and the previous job, they were very interested in my writing background. <laughs> I got the playwriting. I didn't tell them about that. And that's, you know, it's a very conservative world. So I want to, um, 
you know, present just that one part of side of myself. But, you know, just having that background, because a lot of people can't write really well. Mm -hmm. And when you're writing processes, you know, you have to go one, two, three, four, not one, two, four. You know, you have to see it from, from a user's point of view or from someone else's point of view. So that's what I do. And uh, what my job starts to be. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that has gotten me in the door when I was sort of freelancing was, you wrote for a college newspaper? You can write? Like, oh, yeah, that's, oh my God, get in here. You know, I mean, literally, that would, that was part of it because a lot of, that's not something a lot of people do anymore. They're used to writing with their thumbs. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Or writing stream of consciousness. There's not the sense of, oh, here's the force paragraph structure, here's yeah. this. That's, that's getting more rare. And believe me, if, if a, somebody who's a writer walks in, because even a, a lot of them are like, Former the tech writer I worked with at the previous job, he came out of journalism. He was an investigative yeah. reporter, yeah. and amazing to talk to him. I mean, he has great stories too, and he's quite a character, which is you know a whole other story, which enlivens the workday a little. I mean, he kind of <laughs> he's like, just we better be glad that HR doesn't sit here. And I said, well, we wouldn't be able to. <laughs> but, but the thing is, the way he is able to put together two or three different, you know, what I look at as completely disparate, like separate things, and it's like, you know, the thread between them, which is what you do in plays. But right. he's just really fast at it because he's been doing investigative reporting mm -hmm. for a long time. Right. And um, really interesting perspective. Well, today yeah. is also. We're not here just for the podcast. You actually do have to rehearse your show, well, you so do. we should yes. probably wrap this okay. up. But before we do, we definitely want to, to plug the show and its dates, okay. which are what? I believe I... I can just say them from memory. Oh, go for <laughs> okay. it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's we, say the play first. We have to... The Nasty Women of the Ecstatic Rainbow Mystical, Mystical Retreat. Retreat opens on Tuesday, July 11th at 5 p.m. I'm not sure I can say all the, all the times. And our next performance is Tuesday, July 18th. Then we perform the 19th, the 20th, and we take a day off, and we finish up on Saturday and Sunday, the 22nd and 23rd. And we're at the Springer in the Atlas Performing Arts Center. You can get your tickets at catfringe.org or just by breezing by Logan Fringe Art Space and taking in a little music and another play and buying a ticket for this one. Catfringe.org. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. It used to be Cat French. Okay, oh, then so I have a redirect. Yeah. yeah. There, uh, there, there will be oh, a link okay. to it on, yes. on the blog post that accompanies mm -hmm. this, too. So, and so it's there uh, evenings, too, right after work in air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of good bars. Yeah, yeah. 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 very up and coming. It's, uh, yeah. 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 It's, it's a comedy. It's nice and nice for the summer. You don't have to think too much if you don't want to. If you want to write a term paper about it afterwards, it's up to you. Yeah, you don't have to. There's an option. Yeah, there's options. You can use this as a as a cheat sheet, a cheat. Uh, what do they call it? A, there's a word for that, like a yeah. If you're taking a class in college and you have to read your recipes, you can just cliff notes. Cliff notes. Yes. That's right. Oh yes. Yeah. And you know, I think it would be an excellent date. <laughs> Quite frankly, because uh, you can go out and get a drink afterwards and talk about what happened, and you get a real good idea. I'm we have an awesome Well, thank you for having me, and I uh, hope you. I hope to hope you're running. Goes really well. So. Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.